Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are Groundworks, Inc., and I'm Alice Marcus-Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. We Dig Plants brings the culture to horticulture, and in doing so, today we're going to talk about herbs. And we have a great guest, a grower, author, and instructor, Ellen Spector-Platt, who farmed flowers and herbs in Pennsylvania. How do you pronounce that, Ellen? That's... Google County, Schoogle like County. Google River. <laughs> right. I, I was always like Schoogle. I thought yeah. it was Skygle, but I'm glad. <laughs> now I know how to pronounce it. Thank you, Ellen. <laughs> so she, she did that until 2002 when she moved to New York City. And now she blogs, writes, photographs, teaches and coaches other gardeners about herb and flower growing. Now, like other New York City urban gardeners, Ellen starts seeds Um, in trays on windowsills. She composts indoors with worms and via a rooftop tumbler. What Ellen learned on the farm directly directly translates to city gardening. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. So Ellen, tell us a little bit about how you came to flower and herb farming. And this was a second career for you. It was. I was a psychologist living and working in Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. And we, by accident, serendipity or whatever, just decided to move to a what had been a farm property um, and had no intention of farming at all. We had a nice house in the little town of Pottsville with a nice garden, but we moved to this five-and-a-half-acre place with a huge barn, and my husband and I kept looking at the barn saying, we have to do something with this. <laughs> and so it all came about... Just by accident, he planted a birthday garden for me one oh, winter. That's, that's a so, good That's present. very sweet. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was my first ever cutting garden. I had always just had the landscaping plants that you don't want to cut because they are there to make your house look nice on right. the outside. But once I had a cutting garden and just started to cut some with tulips what he planted armloads of tulips i just wanted to plant more so i started planting a lot and planting a lot coincidentally my last child left to go off to school so i didn't have to rush home and get dinner on the table and Uh i could do whatever i wanted so um, you also teach and you lecture at several great horticultural institutions, the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, New York Botanic Garden, and the Hort Society of New York. Right. Uh, since I moved to New York, I 
um, live in Manhattan and garden on a rooftop, and I've totally changed from farming to all containers on a rooftop for my building. And so I had the great pleasure of going from... It's like totally different gardening. Yeah, exactly. And Car- Carmen and I are very familiar with rooftop gardening. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've also written several books. Uh, Flower Crafts, which was published, uh, that was your first book, Ellen, in 1993? That, w- that was my first book. I was living not so far away from Rodale Press in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. And so some of their editors had come and seen my farm and... Um, decided that um, I should write for them, and I had no intentions of doing that, but thought I'd give it a try and got hooked on the writing. Uh-huh. And that was in 1993? That was when my first book came out. Now I'm just ha- going to have my 11th book published this September. Holy cow. That's wonderful. Oh, so I've been a busy girl. Yeah. So you've written about lavender, you've written um, about garlic, onion, and other alliums, lemon herbs, and yes, also... I, I write a lot about herbs, and my most recent book is a new edition of my lavender book called Lavender, How to Grow and Use the Fragrant Herb. And I'm really interested in how you can use plants from your garden. So use them in your landscape, but then also use them for cooking, for crafts, for gifts. Um, Yeah. Just get some additional mileage out of what you've grown. Right, sure. And um, because it's it's the purpose for for what we end up spending our our passions are. And it's also the easiest for people in smaller spaces to deal with. It, herbs give you the fragrance and the beauty and the utility all in one package. It's you know? a lot of bang for the buck. With I know. Herbs. So if you really only have a few pots or a balcony or a terrace, they're, we use them a great deal. They're very, they're very effective on rooftops and in urban situations. Mm-hmm. Because, and they also tend to stay, most of them, small. So there isn't a lot of maintenance, I found, with herbs. Right, Right, Ellen? and people feel that they're manageable in containers. Even people who were a little unsure about gardening themselves mm-hmm. feel that a pot or two of herbs is something manageable. And it just transforms the way you cook. Well, I have to say, um, the the cover of your lavender book made me drool when I looked at it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is beautiful. Did you take those photographs? I or? did. I think I've taken almost all of them in that book, and certainly the cover photograph. I spoke out in Squim, Washington, a couple of years at their huge lavender festival. Festival, right? And. People look at that and say, oh, that must be in Provence. But no, a lot of lavender is grown in the United States very, very successfully. And I think the trick to lavender is not overwatering it. I mean, everybody overwaters their herbs, and I think that's where they might feel some bit of of uncomfortableness but if you if you just think about their original growing conditions you can really be successful especially the mediterranean ones um that i use a lot being of italian descent i do use a lot of you know uh, oregano and and you know and rosemary rosemary. oh my gosh when i went to italy ellen you know i've gone a few times and i still have family there and i see the rosemary shrubs there yeah that overwinter and that are massive i have i have real envy i'm like this is like fair hedges yeah yeah and and very often they're growing rosemary is growing in the wild with the lavender Mm -hmm. on those high rocky coasts yeah when you think of that you picture what they 
really need in your garden. Yeah. Well, that's why it translates also so well, I think, to urban environments where you're you're gardening on rooftops and you're up high in those dry, arid, windy conditions. And sunny, full-on sun. Yeah. You know, there's so many plants that struggle. Whereas, you know, if you, we have one client that has probably lavender plants that are 20 years old in containers. You know, we thin them out, we prune them, but they come back reliably year after year. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, and they look great in the winter, too, which we really like. And, the, and for lavender in particular, the drainage is important. Right, right. So you need to make sure that the holes at the bottom of your containers are not blocked and the, and the containers are up on little feet or on some... Um, situation so the the whole the water can actually drain out of the hole and exactly. that the soil isn't too rich so so many people overfeed right um and that i, th- I think that um correct me if i'm wrong but that dilutes the flavor too if they're just too weak right well i call myself the laziest gardener around so even when i had my farm and i was physically working very very hard i never wanted to do any kind of work that i absolutely didn't have to yeah of course <laughs> and so um not feeding some many of your herb plants is one of the things yeah. that not only you can get away with but it's what they prefer mm-hmm. yeah now let's talk for a second though about um about the herbs feeding us as humans. And do you have a good lavender um, edible recipe? Because lavender panna cotta is one of my favorite desserts in the world. Well, um, my book has about uh, eight or ten recipes. and But the truth of the matter is that you can add some dried or fresh lavender buds to almost any recipe, almost any dessert uh, any cake, any sorbet, um, any sauce. I'll sometimes put it in a fresh strawberry sauce. If you like the dessert and you like the herb, then you have a good combination. Yeah. And in um, in Provence, the uh, lavender is often used in savory dishes too, which mm-hmm. is a surprise here in meat stews and that right. sort of thing. Chicken, roast chicken. Right. In addition to all the lemon herbs and you know your 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 field of study and uh, and interest is is really wonderful. I had a great pleasure last evening. I had a meeting here and had to throw out a few little uh, tidbits to eat during the meeting. And I ran up to the roof to see what was still growing. Imagine in the beginning of February, I found herbs growing I could pick. I picked some rosemary, some thyme, some parsley, and some mint. I whipped it up with cream cheese, and people thought I was a genius. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's really nice. I know. and, And I was shocked, too. In my own garden, most of my herbs are grown in pots, and it's the same thing. I would have never had parsley in February. It's, right. it's you know, I cut it down, and then it came back, and I was able to throw it into some pasta. It was amazing. You know, yeah. I didn't have to run to the market. The rosemary hasn't frozen, you know? Yeah, it's, it's been, and, and we've had such a great uh, winter season. Well, great or worrisome, Wor- yeah. <laughs> depending on the way you look at it. Exactly. But you've also written and edited um, some magazines as well, Flowers and Herbs um, in 2006 and Container Garden Magazine in 2007, published by Harris. Yes, I did. Right. And what I found with containers, again, it's something going from a farm to going to the city. It's really totally different. When I lived in basically small town or suburban, 
suburbia, people generally have containers, maybe on a terrace, maybe by a front door, but Mm -hmm. they think that trees and big shrubs and roses should all be in the garden. Right. When all you have is containers, then you have to get your trees in containers. If, you, if you're going to have a tree, it has to be in a container. Right. And so I learned that most of what's written actually about container plants isn't true, that I can grow anything in a container as long as it'll survive the winter. Exactly. And, and I mean, that's a, it's a whole other... Um, way of gardening in a container and this is what what carmen and i oh, we push the envelope all the time Ellen. yeah i mean we yeah. you know and that's fun to do yeah it is i feel like you're really cheating a little bit you just have to remember to measure the elevator <laughs> <laughs> oh it's very true You'll, that was you, my first mistake <laughs> exactly i remember on one project Never even occurred to me to do that i well, just i was so used to bringing home my whatever a, you wanted i had a truck and i <laughs> right. get somebody to throw it in the back of the truck bring it home that way and now i thought oh my god what have i got myself into or the but, height of the tree versus the curve in your stairwell oh. <laughs> that's right but when it's going to the 18th floor right. there are not too many people that want to schlep up the, to no. the 18th no and you better uh, be nice to your doorman that's, that's, right. that's holding the elevator door for you <laughs> we've had to crane things onto roofs yeah. you know sometimes when when it was necessary because uh-huh. we couldn't get them you know we couldn't use the elevator or the elevator was too small um, and people will do a lot for horticulture to have a little bit of green in New York City. Yeah. You know, they will they will they will um, put up with a lot to, to have a little bit of live and living yeah. things. You and, know? and I also feel that I'm these are not herbs, but I'm growing things for children. There are a lot of little kids that live in my building. There are a hundred apartments and the rooftop garden is not my own private garden, it's for the whole building. Right. And what I plant are surprises for kids and while with the herbs they know they can come by and pick a mint leaf and chew it like chewing gum which they get great pleasure out of right i've grown peanuts in containers i've grown cotton and even though i knew i was planting peanuts and i could see the pea type leaf coming out i must tell you that when i picked up those uh, the plant at the end of the year to harvest the peanuts. I was as thrilled as any kid to see there were actually peanuts clinging to the roof on 80th Street in Manhattan. That's awesome. That is a great It story. is really rewarding um, to work with kids and to see their enthusiasm, especially urban kids that don't have the opportunities that suburban kids have right. yes. to be in the landscape every day. And you know? I had I planted one year of four cotton plants and I babied them a little bit, but they actually, they did bloom and they uh, produced cotton. And I took the kids over to see what it was, and they just didn't believe me. They called over the parents to come yeah. and reassure them that that's what it really was. Yeah, that's funny. Cotton is actually a, a, a pretty handsome plant. I actually really like it. It is. Really the flower like, is gorgeous. Yeah. And that, that the contrast between 
the foliage, that dark brown of the foliage, and then the white of the cotton is is just incredible. It's yeah. nice when you see it in flower arrangements in like fancy New York hotels or yeah. restaurants. And the New, the New York Botanical Garden had the black leaf cotton in their borders right. about two years ago, and it yeah. was beautiful there. But that, that makes me laugh though, because my my grandfather was a cotton farmer in Tennessee. He probably <laughs> yeah, hated cotton, right. <laughs> so it it makes me giggle when I see it as an ornamental, uh-huh. like, you know. <laughs> hey, what did you think, Ellen, of the the new herb garden, the new re- redesigned herb garden at the Brooklyn Botanic? Were you instrumental? Well, I haven't seen it yet. Mm. I promised myself I would when I was there just a couple weeks ago at a meeting, and then I got enchanted by the terrarium exhibit and didn't get out to the herb garden. So this summer it's on my must-do list. Where are you going to be lecturing in the next uh, few months? Do you have any plans? Well, my next few months, I'm finishing the book that I'm working on, and um, I don't have any lecture plans coming up. I have a lot of writing assignments, so I'm sticking to that, and I'm planning my tour for my collage book that will be coming out in the fall. Yeah, we'll talk about that um, a little bit later, because I want to... I want to be able to plug this book for you. Um, Good. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, also, in addition to teaching, um, you, you, um, you, you have lectured at the New York uh, Flower Show, the Philadelphia Flower Show, San Francisco Flower Show, Providence, New England, and also at Longwood Gardens, and then also at some lavender festivals, garden clubs, and arboretums. Are there any interesting stories to share with us about those lectures and about well, some of one, those venues? One place I lectured was at the at Epcot at yeah. uh, in Florida, uh-huh. and they have an international flower show uh-huh. and flower and garden festival, I guess they call it. And I lectured there, and I was invited. Um, of course, they paid me and paid my expenses, but I could also bring somebody with me that they were, they were going to pay for airfare and so on and share my room. And I couldn't get a soul. My <gasps> kids were too old. My oh. grandchildren were too young. My friends all turned up their nose. And when <laughs> I got there, and I must say I was a little uh, unsure myself of how I was going to like Disney. Yeah. Uh, they assign to every speaker, a host who picked you up at the airport. And the first place the host took me was to their composting plant. Oh. And showed me how all the garbage is treated. And and this was in the 90s. So they were really at the forefront of big companies starting to really think green. I was hugely impressed by this. Absolutely. Wow, that yeah. surprises me. Wow. And and then they took they were collecting garbage from their hotels and from the kitchens and they were recycling wastewater and uh, it changed my whole impression of what was going on there right from the start. But it was kind of a funny thing to walk in and see the garbage when you're going to Disney. <laughs> yeah, because... Uh, and yeah. the second thing they showed me was the... Um, they were doing um, hydroponic vegetable growing, and they used... And they were testing it out, and they had a real scientific interest in this, but were also using some of the produce in their restaurants. And I was impressed with that as well. And that was in 98? 
yes. Right. Wow. And that's and you were awarded one of the ten great American gardeners award. Well, yes, they after inviting me, that's what they designated me as one of the <laughs> ten ten great gardeners, but I have to confess they never saw my garden. I don't even think if they ever saw pictures of my garden. <laughs> but they figured anybody they invited must be great. So they were on your PR radar. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well we have to take a break, Ellen. Give us a second, stay with us. Sure. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market. Whether you are cooking for one or for a crowd, Fairway Market literally has everything you need for a fantastic meal. But if you don't feel like cooking, no worries. They cater. Check out fairwaymarket.com for more information. And be sure to check the new blog, On Our Plate, for weekly specials, health tips, and recipes. Hi, and welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We have a great guest with us today, Ellen Spector-Platt talking about herbs um, and all of her experiences teaching about herbs and gardening. So Ellen, tell us about your garden, your, your older garden in, when you were in Pennsylvania, its size and, and some of your favorite herbs um, and flowers to grow there. Sure. I had, uh, we had five and a half acres and I grew uh, about two, ac- I planted about two acres in raised beds that we rototilled just once at the beginning, and then just kept adding compost to the top. And in the ro- in the walking rows, we had um, newspaper and then straw on top. So mm. it was all compostable and then and decomposed. Mm. I should say right there. And then each spring, I just renew the walking paths. And in the in the rows, putting the newspaper down first kept the weeds down because we were doing hand weeding. Right. And I used both the Pottsville Republican, which was the county newspaper, and the New York Times, so I figured they got equal, <laughs> equal balance there. And then the, um, the straw on top that decomposed. That's and a good use for the New York pretty. Times. <laughs> <laughs> so um, two acres, that's a pretty amazing. It, it was a lot, yeah. and I grew... A lot of it from seed. Uh, We had, this was a very low-tech operation. I had no greenhouse. I didn't even have grow lights. But it was an old farmhouse, and I had 19 very wide windowsills. So I could get 38 trays of 72 cells on, um, on my windowsills. And depending on what the plant was, I gave the hardest to grow ones, the best exposure and the easiest to grow things, kind of had to take the north-facing exposure. <laughs> right. And the, the seasons that were nice and sunny where a lot of light came in, things grew better. Wow. But I found out that they caught up. Even my seedlings were pretty weak-looking sometimes. They actually caught up when they went out in the garden and, and wound up being wonderful. Do you have a favorite um, seed company that you got your seeds from? Um, not really. I got a lot from Johnny's 
um, because it was kind of a cold weather place. Right. Um, I get a lot now from Renee's Garden Seeds in California. I like their herbs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I I go by I look for particular colors because I was growing for drying. I was looking at colors. I wanted my sunflowers to be. I mean, my uh, straw flowers to be pink and not yellow. Um, I wanted my zinnias to be the big cactus-type zinnias, not the little piddly things that right. you usually get in garden centers. So um, I even learned that, and was astounded to learn that it was easy to grow perennials from seed. And I had never known that. I had never come across that. I had never tried it. But I did it out of necessity because buying enough perennials would have been it's too expensive, expensive right. at the start. But I found I could grow lavender from seed. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I did. And within a year, they had caught up and were producing well. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, was, it was just very exciting to learn that. What, um, we have a. Did, did you ever just do like random wildflower mixtures, or were you? Yeah, the first time I tried it, I thought because I had meadow. Part of the farm was kept in meadow, and uh-huh. I used to harvest some of the grasses and wildflowers for drying. And I thought you could just stand out in the field and blow them <laughs> into the wind. And and I learned that lesson too. So I've made I've made every mistake in the book, and I learned from them. And I still have a lot to learn, but the audiences that I speak to can relate to making every mistake in the book. Yeah. Well, I think that's what what makes you a good gardener. And Alice and I always talk about this on the show and with with our friends and and colleagues is that gardens always give you another chance. There's another season, you know, for you to try things. And I discovered a new, or new to me, it's not new to cultivation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Vietnamese coriander. Oh, yes. And I always grew cilantro, which I Mm -hmm. had, well... I say grew. I mean, I, I never grew it successfully. Mm-hmm. And this year, I found this plant at one of the nurseries that we buy from, and I decided to try it. And it's almost identical in flavor, I found, to mm-hmm. the cilantro. But it grows so much better in my garden conditions, you know. Mm-hmm. I got really mm-hmm. excited about it. It grew rampantly, and I was mm-hmm. so happy that I didn't have just a little tiny rosette of cilantro, and then it would bolt, you know. Peter, so, right, yeah. right. And uh, one thing I tried last year because I had never grown it is stevia, Uh which is a sweet herb. Right. And it's it's used a lot. You see it advertised as a low-calorie sweetener. And I wanted to try it and taste it for myself and see what it was like, and it grew very well. Great. Yes, I, it bloomed even. I grew it in a pot, too, and it is like a 100 times sweeter than sugar, Ellen. Yes. I mean, it's so intensely yeah. sweet. It's a, it's pretty amazing. And now I'm seeing more and more packages of it on the supermarket shelves as a replacement. And, it, yeah, it's supposed to be okay for people with diabetes, so right. that, that helps us. And it's still a natural sweetener. Yeah. Right. Can I tell you about my pinch and inch garden, herb garden, Please. that I have now? I decided that because I wanted fresh herbs for myself but can't really do it because the garden isn't mine, I decided I would try a pinch-and-inch garden and plant herbs in about 10 containers and then advertise it to the whole building that if you want um, to come up and cut a little bit to flavor your dinner, go right ahead. 
And I was a little worried at first because I thought with 100 apartments, I have nowhere near enough herbs to keep everybody happy. That's what I was thinking, yeah. But it turns out that either not everybody cooks or not everybody cooks with herbs or I don't know what the story is, but there are about eight of us who really love it and it's plenty for our needs, so it works out fine for everybody. I remember the pinch and inch... um, marketing campaign for special case cereals in the 70s oh really do you remember that <laughs> i don't remember that but maybe my unconscious did <laughs> well i think you're probably also competing with chinese delivery and takeout you know? i think so, so yeah. that's fine with me because the, more for those you. of us who love the fresh herbs and don't want to pay for a whole new package every time we want just a little snippet yeah Exactly. We have plenty. And, well, and, and usually there's plenty of abundance. I mean, with one pot of herbs, you can get a lot. With one rosemary plant, I mean, you can get a lot. Yeah. Of, you know, you can get a season's worth. I, oh, I'm always drying. I always have tons extra, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm giving away to friends. Well, or what you, know, you buy at the Korean deli or whatever in those, like, cellophane, cellophane packages, yeah. it's disgusting, you know? It's been on a truck for two weeks, and... It's been kicked around. No, there's nothing like the fresh flavor of, um, I mean, I make gallons of pesto Uh every fall because I don't want to, you know, the the basil's producing and I don't want to throw it out. Right. You know? Ellen, do you see, um, as far as like seed, I mean, Carmen and I see this because we pour over the seed catalogs, but... Uh Edibles are really becoming fashionable yes. in, yeah. the, in yes. the market. Very much more important than the flowers in the garden. Exactly. And I still like to have both and where I can use, I often use herbs in flower arrangements too uh-huh. yeah. as for decorative, as fresh yeah. fresh material on flower arrangements. So I'm, I have it both ways. But definitely there's an increase in fruit, fruit trees, fruit shrubs, berries, mm-hmm. uh, as well as vegetables. Well, Carmen and I were just down um, at the Mance trade show, the Mid-Atlantic Conference. Oh, yes. And we were noticing that a lot of um, growers are growing smaller-sized fruits and vegetables uh-huh. for patio gardens. Mm-hmm. So as, as you know, we should all keep our eye open for those in the... Yeah, like uh, dwarf blueberries. And they're also breeding them to be ornamentally attractive too as well as productive which is kind of nice yes i I used to grow a lot of uh, blackberries thornless blackberries on the farm just for my own consumption our own consumption and i would cut branches of those when they were still in the red stage before they ripened up and bring them inside mm-hmm. to use in vases for yeah, decoration. And then as they ripened up, I'd come along and just <laughs> take one, pop it in my mouth. It was a big treat. <laughs> it's so great. Um, and you also do kind of some craft work with <laughs> with some of the herbs. Can you tell us some of your kind of favorite um, craft activities? Yes, I when I had the farm, I was doing a lot of wreaths and arrangements and weavings of herbs. And uh, like with the lavender, I was making lavender ones and so on. But lately, I've been doing a collage. Yeah. And my new book is called that will be out in September is called uh, Artful Collage from Found Materials. So, so are you working with New York City found objects? 
New York City, right off the street. I love this. Wow. Right off the street at, I mean, not all of them, but every collage, I have 46 in this book, and every collage that I've made has some found materials in it. Now, sometimes they're found in the, the materials are found in the back of my drawer. It's not all from the street, right. but mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of things on trash day you're walking around yeah and there's great things that people deliberately put on top of the pile because they know that this is good and somebody else might want it well Um, it sounds great when is the book coming out book is coming out in september it's going to be published by stackpole books who published my three herb books okay and what's the name of it Um, do you have a name artful collage from found materials. Okay, great. We'll have to keep found our, objects. From okay. found objects, we'll have to keep our eyes open for that. Um, and do you, uh, Carmen asked you, do you have any upcoming lectures in the New York City area? Um, no, I don't. I'm going to be teaching at the New York Horticultural Society next fall. Um, one colla- teaching a workshop on collage, and the topic will be. Um, a garden of your memory. Oh. And so the collage that people will make right in class will have to do with uh, some favorite garden or something that they That's great. Get. They're having a lot of really interesting and different art yeah. uh, exhibits lately. That, yes, you know, yes, they are. They're going a little bit, uh, you know, off uh, their off the traditional off path. the traditional which yeah. I kind of movies, like movies movies yeah. relating to farming and gardening yeah. and so it's, on and it's yeah. very Green interesting work. Yeah. yeah well you know Carmen and I used to work there Ellen that's, oh that's, that's where we met how I yeah. know your yeah. name okay yeah. I'm glad you said that yeah and I want to I want to do a special thank you to Abby Zabar who connected Ellen with us for for this afternoon's show um abby's an old friend of ours and um also Ab- grows a lot of herbs abby is a great gardener as well so and her book was her book the potted herb is one that i first bought when i started my herb farm inspiration yeah it's a beautiful exactly. book she's yeah. also an artist and yeah um, she's a lovely lovely person so um, well, we are out of time today, Ellen. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, a pleasure to talk to you. Ellen Spector Pl- uh, Pratt. So Platt? Platt. Platt. P-L-A-T-T, not Pratt. Platt. Thank you for joining us and for sharing us, sharing with us your experience with herbs and, and flowers. And I blog at gardenbites.com. Great. Great. We'll put a link to it on our Facebook fan page. Wonderful. Well, thank you for listening to We Dig Plants. We want to thank our producer and engineer, Carlos Aguero Jr. Thank you to Roberta's Pizza and Bushwick and to our sponsor. And if you missed any part of the show, please note it is available via archive on the website, heritageradionetwork.com and via podcast at iTunes. Please leave comments and or join our Facebook fan page page Groundworks Inc. We Dig Plants. And we're also on Twitter at We Dig Plants. Happy gardening. Happy gardening. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook, 
and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.